Well, welcome. I'm Pastor Penny, if I haven't met you before, and I've got the privilege of sharing this morning um, around Good Friday. And I thought, why do we call today good? When you think it's a day that signifies suffering and death. But when I looked it up in the um, Google, the word good in relation to Easter Friday actually means holy. Holy. It is a day traditionally set apart for fasting and repentance, for humbling ourselves and acknowledging the sacrifice of the cross. For Christians, Good Friday is a crucial day of the year because it celebrates what we believe to be the most important weekend in the history of the world. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his best friends, the 12 disciples who had spent three years with him day and night. And it was the Jewish custom each year to have the Passover meal together to remember how God had miraculously delivered all their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. Now, children, just for a minute, firstly, it's so good to have you with us in the service this morning. I'm pleased you're here. Now, if you were at that meal, children, they would have had a lamb roast and wine and bread and herbs and all sorts of things, but mainly it was about the lamb. And you would have learnt as they ate the meal that this was a meal that was to remember what God had done, the miracle of delivering the, the Israelite people from the Egyptians. Remember about Moses? It's all tied in with that story. Anyway, we read in Exodus chapter 12, how God had warned the Israelites to have a, very, a special meal of lamb and to place its blood on the doorposts of their home. He said, I will go through the land of Egypt and I will kill every firstborn male, both human and animal, and punish all the gods of Egypt, because I am the Lord. The blood on the doorposts will be a sign to mark the houses in which you live. When I see the blood I will pass over. And true to his word, when the angel of death passed over any house that was marked with blood on the doorpost. And then we, on the night Jesus shared this meal with his friends, he broke tradition. Because he actually, when we read in Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28, while they were eating, Jesus took bread He took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he offered it to the disciples. And he he said, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup. Again he said, he gave thanks to God for the cup. Now remember what this is going to signify for him, but he's thanking God for it. And he offered it to his friends, and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Now just imagine being one of those disciples that day. They must have 
struggled with what Jesus was saying. Was his blood to replace the lamb's blood that they were celebrating? I wonder if they remembered what John the Baptist had said when Jesus came to be baptized. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he was delivering them from slavery. And we remember in Deuteronomy 5 it says, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. But before we receive Jesus into our lives, we're in bondage. We're a slave to sin. As Jesus said in John 8, I tell you the truth, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And our freedom, we remember today, was bought on the cross. What does Easter Friday say to you and to me? It tells us that God loves us. Good Friday was God's plan. It was his idea. His compassion for us, his desire to be connected with each one of us, his love for us moved him to action. It moved him to send Jesus to the earth and ultimately to the cross. The cross enables us to make peace with God. But God's plan wasn't a done deal. It was dependent on Jesus being obedient. Jesus laid down his life willingly for us. The cross was the end result of a life lived in obedience to his heavenly Father. The Bible teaches us that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffers. He suffered. And during his 33 years on earth, God prepared and trained him for his destiny. And you children will know what that's like. Sometimes mum and dad and your teachers have to train you to do what's right. Even Jesus had to be treated like that, to learn what was right. And God is totally committed to doing this in our lives, to teaching us to be obedient even if it means we have to suffer to learn that lesson. He's helping us. God's helping us to lay down our lives, to take up our cross and fulfill the good works he's predestined for each one of us to walk in. And Jesus' obedience resulted in eternal life for anyone who believes in him. And our obedience to God's plan in our lives will result in others finding eternal life. Because God says that he writes on the fleshy tables of our hearts by his spirit. And in my experience, those things he has written deeply into my heart are the things I've learnt through suffering. I don't know if any of you are the same. When we struggle with God's will for our lives like Jesus did at Gethsemane, we're encouraged to come boldly to God. Jesus was our example. He poured his heart out to the Father and God gave him the strength and the ability to say, not my will, but yours be done, Father. In Hebrews 2, verse 9 to 11, we read, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now 
crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of our salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy, which is Jesus, and those who are made holy, which is every believer, are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. That is mind. In a way we can't comprehend it in our minds, but in our hearts we can. In Hebrews 2, verse 14 to 18, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives are held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, which is us. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help us when we are tempted. Good Friday marks the day when God's hatred of sin and his mercy met on the cross and made a way for our forgiveness. And it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross, knowing it would lead to his resurrection, but ultimately our salvation and our eternal life. Now, eternity cannot be mentally understood or comprehended. Our minds are finite and unable to grasp concepts like that. In Job 36 verse 26, it says, How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years is past finding out. And then in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it says, But God has set eternity in our hearts. Yet, we cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. We can't work it out here. It's in our hearts, we believe. Love cannot be demanded. You tried it with your husband? (laughs) It must be given willingly. And the fact that Jesus chose to go to the cross and that he stayed on the cross proves that he loved God with all of his heart, all of his mind, all of his soul, all of his strength, and that he loved us. It wasn't the nails that held him there. He could have got down at any time. It was his love for us and his own eternal salvation that held him on that cross. We can trust Jesus with our lives. He has proven himself. As it, he's proven himself as totally dependable, totally faithful to his Father, totally faithful to his word. He is the living word. 
and he cannot fail it and he will not fail it. And he was tempted like we are, yet he never failed. God asked us to take up a cross and to follow Jesus and to deny ourselves. And I ask myself, but why? Why? I read those words and think, but why? For the same reason he asked Jesus to give up his life, so that others will find Jesus and have everlasting life in God's presence, no longer separated from his peace for eternity. And then I think, well, how can I do this? My reasoning says it's too hard. I can't do it. But if I believe God's word in my heart, I can do it. We can do it. We are God's workmanship. We're not in this alone. We're not doing this alone. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Every believer, this is the truth. Not what you feel, not what you think. If you've given your life to Christ, these words are true. And I say to myself, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can and I will fulfill the good works God has prepared for me to do, just as Jesus did. Because he lives in me, I can do it. Just want to share a short example in my own life was during my Christian walk, I have regularly fasted in faith, believing God's word. Because it says that the chosen fast of God is to see captives set free and broken hearts healed. And I have seen God set me free as a result of that. I have seen God set others free and heal other people's hearts as I've done it. Now one day about 30 years ago, when I was regularly fasting, my mum came over to the home to tell me that my sister had attempted suicide, taking an overdose and she was now on life support. She was not expected to live as her organs had failed and the family were planning the funeral and her life support was to be turned off the next morning so we had an opportunity to say goodbye. God needs us to make a difference. I didn't know what to pray, I didn't know how to pray. I only prayed one short little prayer which... To this day, I look back and I think, God, that's all it took from me. And what I prayed was, Father, please don't let her die if she's going to hell. She wasn't a believer. The next day, when they turned off her life support, she survived. And several weeks later, she shifted up from her hometown to live in Hamilton, where we were, with my parents. Over the next five years, I supported and loved her, often daily encouraging her as she struggled with severe anxiety. Because I'd been through severe depression myself and anxiety, I had a compassion, God had put a compassion in my heart for her and moved me to act and do something about it. 
I just loved her. I was there for her, supported her. She said right at the beginning, don't talk about God to me. I honoured that. I did not talk about God to her. But then one day, five years later, we were in the kitchen doing something and she just turned to me, no warning, and said, will I go to hell if I commit suicide? Now, you don't have time to think about an answer, but the Spirit of God lives in you as a believer. And straight away, he knew what to say. It just came out of me without me having time to think. I answered her. I didn't answer her question. I said, Jesus is real. He can help you. And from that day, she became a believer. Now, this was 25 years ago. 18 months ago, she went to be with her Lord and her Saviour. And now she has eternal life. No more pain, no more suffering, no more torment. This is what it's about. That's what denying ourselves and taking up our cross is about. I often feel like the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes. Because I've got so little to give compared to the needs all around me. And I guess you all feel the same. There's so many needs in this world. But when we put our hands in God's hands, he can move supernaturally through us. Do more than we could ever imagine. I never imagined God would do that. But he did. Now children, just for a minute... You're still here and listening? You've been so good, so quiet. Could I borrow you for a minute, Evangeline? Just stand down here for me. Cool. Just thinking about what a miracle is. Now, in the natural, if I drop this, what's going to happen? um, Ezra, do you know what's going to happen if I drop this? Ah, it's going to drop on her head. If what's that? What what makes it do that? Does anyone know? What's the name of that that makes that fall down and hit her on the head? Gravity. Gravity. Yes, thank you, Evangeline. But if I held it up there and God chose to make it stay there, is that natural? No, it's super natural. So that's what we're talking about when we say God's able to do supernatural things like the loaves and the fish. Take that. Just take our lives. Even you children, take your lives. God can take your life and use it to help people. Jesus is able to save us and present us faultless before the Father because he was faultless as he died on that cross. If the ushers could please come ready to serve the communion. I'm going to take communion in a minute. I just want to read Romans 6 verse 22 and 23. But now that you've been set free from sin and become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we're celebrating today. It is a good day. Amen? is a good day. Now the ushers are going to hand out the bread and grape juice to you. I just encourage you to hold it and we'll have it together soon. 
And just take time. We're going to play some quiet music. Just take time to quietly think about what today means to you.